this, this week, I'd like to do something different with y'all. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I've almost got a theme for the whole entire week. You say, what's the theme? Well, my theme that I'm going to preach through is this idea. It's really my goal for 2024, and it's simply this. Let's make a difference. Now, before you think I'm a campaign artist or that I've been listening to Joel Osteen, <laughs> let me explain, okay? When I say, let's make a difference, what I'm really saying is this. Let's let God work through us to make a difference in others. You know, I find that's what ministry is all about. You've come here to Ambassador Baptist College not because you're going to be a computer programmer one day, okay? You're not going to be an engineer, most likely, all right? You've come to Ambassador Baptist College because you want to minister. In some form, some fashion, you want to minister. But I find in order to make a difference, you've got to understand the first phrase of this mission statement. Say, what is it? Let's let God work through us. Before you're ever going to be able to help somebody, before you're ever going to be able to minister the way God wants you to minister, can I tell you, He's got to work through you. And that's tough. I'll tell you why it's tough. Some of us come to Bible college, and can I tell you, you don't think you're that bad. Matter of fact, by youth group standards, you're the cream of the crop. Matter of fact, by Christian school standards, you're the one that won the Christian Attitude Award. So what could you possibly need to do? What possibly could you need to change? Some of you here are preacher's kids, like me. That's why you're deranged, okay? Truth is, hey, I wasn't in high crime. I wasn't selling drugs on the corner. I mean, I wasn't beating people up. But let me tell you, I had all kinds of problems that I needed to deal with. You know, as I get older, I find this, the closer I get to the book, the more problems I see I have. We come to Luke chapter 1 and we find a young lady, boy, I tell you what, by the standard of the culture, she was the cream of the crop. You say, what are you talking about? She got a, a scholarship at Ambassador Baptist College. Why? Because she was really good. But there was temptations in her life just like there are in yours. Tonight, I'd like to help you. you say, what are you talking about? Look with me in Luke chapter 1 as we pick up the reading in verse 26. Would you notice what your Bible says? Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. The Bible says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. If you're not familiar with this account, you're going to be real soon. We just celebrated Christmas. Look what your Bible says in verse 2, or verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was, what's it say, class? Mary. 
And the angel came into her and unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, that'd be the angel of the Lord, she was troubled, or you could put frightened, at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutations this should be. Now notice what the angel says. Look at verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, next two words, class, what's it say? Tonight, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Fear Not. Fear Not. You say, preacher, why are you going to preach a message called Fear Not? Because I'm convinced that this thing called fear is going to stop some of you in this room from making a difference in other people's lives. Before we get started, can we ask God to give us a hand? Father, we thank you so much for this place. And Lord, I look back at my life and Lord, I could say this has been a good place. Lord, it changed my life. And Lord, would you allow me, your unworthy servant, to come help some folks that need some help. Lord, not that I've mastered, I have not mastered any of this, but Lord, you have taught me some things through the years that I can put in my life so that I can minister and be a help and make a difference in other people's lives because, Lord, you worked through my life to get me to the place I am today. So, Father, I pray that that be true here tonight. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're about to do in the invitation time. In Jesus, my precious Savior's name, amen. You know, when it comes to this thing called fear, boy, I tell you what, it's all over. There's people that fear the dark. There's people that fear heights. There's people that fear all kinds of different things. There's people that fear spiders. There's people that fear all kinds of different things. But you know what I found is seems to be common amongst your age group today? The fear of making a mistake. I don't know if you're like that. I've got four kids. Uh, many, of you, many of you may know them. Some of you may not know them. But I've got a 25-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 20-year-old, and i got an 18-year-old. So my kids are your age. Now, I'm not your daddy, okay, but my kids are the same age, all right? You know what I find about my kids and generation millennials and Gen Zs? I, I'm not dogging you. I'm just telling you this. I've worked with you long enough. Is I find that sometimes one of your greatest weaknesses is yet you fear making a mistake hey can I tell you you're gonna make a mistake it's because of your sin nature okay it's because of my sin nature but the truth is if you live in the bondage of that you'll never make a difference you'll never make a difference and there's the fear of missing out. There's the fear of rejection. There's the fear of uh, being uh, not accepted. There's the fear of health. There's a fear, get this, there's some of you here tonight, you fear the unknown. Like what's gonna happen 10 years from now? Well, I don't know that either. But I find that this young lady, though she's got a great testimony, was tempted to fear, so the angel says to her, fear not. So tonight, I want to help you. I want to give you four principles that I find that Mary had in her life so that she, watch this, 
didn't have to live in the bondage of fear. Now, you may be here tonight and you're like, Brother Jake, let me tell you, I know that feeling. Hey, you're not wicked. You're not wicked. It's called human, okay? And sometimes when you're in ministry, get this, it's not always easy. It's not always laid out. It's not always the way you think it's going to be. We're going to see it in the text in just a moment. But the truth is, you and I do not need to live in the bondage of fear. Because your Bible says that we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to live in that. He has not given us the spirit of fear. So how can we do it? Let me give you the four principles we find right here in the text. Look with me in verse number, verse number 28 as we read down. Notice what your Bible says. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Number one, I want you to realize if you're ever going to fear not so that you can make a difference, so that you can The Lord can work in you so that you can help someone else. Number one, she understood God's presence. She understood God's presence. Now, you know what's interesting about that statement? That means this, God is in the know. You say, what are you talking about? How many of you, how many of you had a well-meaning incident go bad? How I many you know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, you thought this all out, and this was the best idea you'd ever come up with. But it went wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple years ago, I preached at Camp Deer Lake, and my good friend Brandon Rouse and his wife Melina are the camp director. And some of you know that camp. And uh, I was there, and boy, it always worked out that my wife's birthday is during that week of camp. Now, my wife's birthday is June 29th. I'm not telling you the year, all right? I'll get in trouble. But June 29th. I know it's June 29th. But for some reason, that week of camp got long, long. I mean, we must have, I don't know if it was extra long because I was preaching a lot or I was dealing with it. I don't know what the reason was, but I was a day off. Now, that's a problem, all right? So for all this day, I thought it was June 28th. All right, it was late, 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 and uh, we were, we were, I was getting all the surprises ready for my wife. Why? Because the next day was June 29th. So it was midnight, and boy, I was going to be, it was like 12.05, and uh, we just got finished talking with Brandon and Melina, and we were going to the trailer, and I said to her, baby, I want to be the first one to wish you happy birthday. <laughs> and I was thinking, hey, I'm like 12.05, you know, like I'm five minutes late, right? But that's good, you know? I'm the first one. It's just past midnight. I'm going to be the very first one. You know what she looked at me and said? "Uh -uh." (laughs) Uh-uh. I said, yeah. She's like, "Uh uh-uh. She says, you're late. I said, baby, it's 12.05, like maybe five minutes late. What's up with that? She's like, no, 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 no. You're a whole day late. I said, I'm not a day late. She pulls out her phone. (laughs) She shows it to me, and sure enough, the phone lied. It said June 30th, 1205. I'm like, I don't know how you got your phone to lie, but it's June 29th. Hey, I'm telling you what, I meant good. I really did. 
But it went wrong real fast. Now listen, listen, listen. Sometimes, can I tell you this? You mean to do right. You really do. You don't mean to live in fear. But can I tell you this? God knows. And sometimes, get this, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, the eyes of the Lord behold the evil and the good. You say, well, what does God know? Well, look what God knows about Mary. Look what your Bible says in verse number 27. The Bible says to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was, who was it, class? Mary. So obviously God knows Mary's character. Mary obviously was without being with a man. That's the whole idea of being a virgin. She was keeping herself pure. She was waiting for the day when she was going to have a husband. And she was doing right. Get it? She knew. God knows her character. Notice what else he knows. Look what verse 28 says. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. You know what the word highly favored gives us the idea of? Greatly graced. Now get this, get this. You can't earn God's grace. But isn't it amazing? God blesses those that obey and trust him. You can't earn it. But isn't it amazing how this young lady was known by the angel as an individual that was highly favored? Notice what else he knows about her. Look with me in verse number 30. Look what your Bible says. The Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I tell you what, I would like to have that said about me. You would like that to be said about you. But listen to this. This is the individual that was tempted to live in the bondage called fear. But here's what helped her. When the temptation came, the angel of the Lord shows up. Have you ever read this in your Bible? Every time the angel shows up, the first words out of his mouth is fear not. I've always wondered, what do they look like? Are they just some freak of nature? But every time, fear not, fear not. Hey, the temptation is real. But she did not have to live under the bondage of it because, get this, she understood God's presence. How you doing? You know, I find that when I live in fear, when I live in the bondage of worry, here's what happens. I don't recognize God's presence in my life. Because I'm more focused, get this, on the problem than his presence. And Mary could have simply easily fell to that temptation. Just like you yield to that temptation. But instead of this, here's what she shows us. She understood God's presence. Number two, look what your Bible says in verse number 31. Look what your Bible says in verse 31. The Bible says, and behold, as the angel is talking to Mary, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. All right, number two. 
if we're ever going to fear not, if we're ever going to make a difference, God's got to work through us. He's got to get us through this. And the only way we're not going to fear is she decides, she decides, she understands God's presence. But number two, she accepted God's plan. She accepted God's plan. Now, here's what the angel of the Lord says. Mary, before you get married, before the wedding ceremony is all done, you're going to have a child. Now, ladies, she didn't have Pinterest. But I've often thought, what do you think Mary's Pinterest board would have looked like? You say, what are you talking about? Fellas, let me help you out here, okay? Every young lady in this room has a dream. I have three girls. Get it? They all have separate dreams. I wish they could all dream together. It'd be so much cheaper. We could use the same stuff over and over and over. One wanted a winter wedding. One wants a fall wedding. That's close enough to winter. Let's do it in the winter again. One wants a summer wedding. Hey, can I tell you guys? That's all different decorations, all right? Start saving now. Not for your wedding, for your daughter's wedding. It's crazy money. Jeremiah Clark, put this offering in a savings account, all right? You got four, brother. It's crazy. It's crazy. But you know what's interesting? All you ladies in here, hey, ever since you were a little girl, you started watching these fairy tales, these princess movies, your knight in shining armor, your sleigh ride, hey, by the way, that is hard to do, all right? The whole snow falling with the sleigh ride and the horse, come on. We got wheels today, folks. Let's use them. So much more reasonable, okay? But the truth is, every one of you have a dream. You got a plan. Guys, don't ask the plan. Wait, at least till you're engaged. Because if not, it's just going to get more and more and more. Why? Centrist. I mean, Pinterest, okay? <laughs> it just grows, okay? It grows. But the truth is, you know, Mary may not have had Pinterest, but she had a plan. You know what I find about God's plan? It's not always our plan. I tell you, Mary, Mary, remember her, remember her character? She was highly favored. She found favor in God's sight. She was a virgin. Man, she's not doing that just because she had nothing else to do. She was doing that because she wanted to please the Lord. And I'm sure that she wanted to have a wedding that was going to please the Lord. I'm sure that she wanted to live her life. She had it all planned out. Here comes the spirit, the angel of the Lord. He says, hey, Mary, got a new plan. You're not going to fit in your wedding dress. 
I know which one you wanted to wear. Ain't going to happen, sister. I got different plans. Now watch. We can laugh and we can giggle. But when God changes your plans, it's not always easy. I found that God, God's plan is not only our plan, but number two, God's plan doesn't always make sense. I often think about this passage of Scripture and I think of Mary and I think, wow. <laughs> After the angel said that, she was scratching her head. What? God, why would you want to do that? Why would I want to be bearing a child? God, don't you know what they're going to talk about at the sewing circle? Don't you know what they're going to start saying about me? When I walk around and I got this belly hanging out in front of me? God, this doesn't make any sense. But can I give you number three? God's plan always works. I can remember April of 2007. I was finishing up school here at Ambassador Baptist College. Prior to coming here, I was the youth pastor at Heritage Baptist Church in Crown Point, Indiana. The plan was, Jake, you go down to Ambassador. You do your school. You come back. You're going to be the staff evangelist out of Heritage Baptist Church. Man, I tell you what, I was 29 years old when I came here. And I worked like a dog. Worked on maintenance staff here, and I took 18, 21 credits. Trying to get through, got done in three and a half years. I mean, I was plowing, took Greek the whole shooting match. Had a family, worked for maintenance, and did that. And did side work with Clarence. Man, we were just, we were wide open. April of that year, right before I was to graduate, my pastor called me. My pastor called me and said, hey, Brother Jake, we decided to hire somebody else. We don't need you. I was like, what? Like, I've just been working for three and a half years from 6 a.m. to midnight for like three and a half years, and now you're going to tell me in April before I graduate that you don't need me and you hired somebody else? I tell you what, young people, I was done. I was like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but this ain't good because I got no clue. I had a plan for evangelism. I was going to go work at my church the first year, 10 weeks, and they were going to pay me 40, and then we we're going to do the 30, the 20, the 20, the 30, and then 10 weeks for the church, and 40 weeks out on the road, and we were going to be in full-time evangelism five years, and everything was set just perfect. And God says, I don't think so. Can I tell you, I struggled. I struggled. I struggled. Why? Because it wasn't my plan. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? I am graduating, and how in the world am I going to get started? And I tell you, to be honest with you, young people, I was just kind of getting upset. I don't know if I got to the bitter stage, but I was definitely holding a grudge on God. And I can remember where I was at in the summer of 2007. On this property, 
and it's as if it was just me by myself and God. And God says, well, you got to make a choice. You're at the crossroads. Are you going to turn right and do your plan and what you want? Or are you just going to let me lead and give you my plan? I'll be honest with you, in my selfishness, I wanted to do my plan. Because my plan made sense. God's plan doesn't make sense. But because I probably knew that God's plan would work out better than my plan, after about four weeks of a pity party, six weeks of a pity party, I said, okay, God, that's it. I'll do your plan. Because you know what? Your plan's better than my plan. And you won't believe this. You won't believe this. There was this president was only like four foot ten of the college at that time called Dr. Comfort. He called me. And he said, hey, Brother Jake, would you mind traveling with me and for the school this semester? And I thought to myself, Dr. Comfort, I don't know if you know this, but I'm married. And I've got like four kids. He's like, I know that. He said, don't you have a trailer? I said, I do. He said, well, what's the problem? I'm like, there's no problem. There's no problem. I'll travel with you. <laughs> it's about that simple. Then the next semester, Dr. Cover said, well, you know, Brother Jake, we really don't need to know if you would be willing to like travel for Ambassador Baptist College and go to a different Christian school every single day. I'm like, Doc, it's done. He said, you didn't pray about it. I've been praying about it. You just didn't know about it. But the truth is, listen, that was God's plan. And sometimes, can I tell you, because we're not willing to accept God's plan, here's what happens. We live in fear. And Mary could have very easily said, you know what, I'm not going to do that, God. I don't want that in my life. That's going to ruin my plan. And she would have lived in the bondage of it for a long time. Hey, can I tell you? Happens to you too. Happens to me. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. Don't think you're sinful if you have a plan. You're not, it's not a sin to have a plan. It's not a sin at all. Here's the problem. When your plan is more important than God's plan, that's when it's a problem. Here, you know what's amazing about the passage? You don't ever hear Mary complaining about it. Oh, God, really? I mean, honestly, that is a dumb idea, God. The photos are not going to look good. God, that's not going to work. We don't hear that. Matter of fact, we hear the opposite, don't we? Boy, thank you, Lord. Number three, look what your Bible says. So we said that she understood God's presence. She accepted God's plan. But look with me in verse number 34 and verse 35. Well, let's keep reading because it's so good here. Look at with me in verse number uh, 32. He shall be great, the angel says, and he shall be the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. Now look at verse 34. 
Then said Mary unto the angel. I love this. How shall this be that I'm going to have a child? Seeing I know not a man. Now that's a good logical question. Okay? Hey, God, I got a question. How's this going to happen? You know me. I've been pure. I've been keeping myself clean. I'm waiting for my husband to be. This can't happen. Now watch, watch. Notice how to not live in fear. She understood God's presence. She accepted God's plan. Get number three. She trusted in God's provision. She trusted in God's provision. Now, can I tell you, I find in my life that God uses often in my life the difficult times that I go through the most. But I believe the reason why God uses those difficult times in our lives the most is because, watch, we can only trust Him. We got nothing else. I was talking to Brother Clark at dinner today. I said, sometimes God gets us in those boats, those situations. There's nothing else around. It's either you're going to sit and rot or you're going to call on him. And watch this. You're going to exercise your faith in him. I like what one preacher said. Faith is having insight into foresight like it's hindsight. I like that. Faith is having insight into foresight like it's hindsight. You know what faith is? Faith is saying, I don't know how in the world God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Amen. We know that Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, now faith is the substance, the confidence. Things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And sometimes the eyes of faith, watch this, you don't know how, but you know he will. If I could say one thing in evangelism, I don't always know how, but I know he will. And I like knowing both, but I find that the Lord is pleased. And watch this. It helps me staying out of the bondage of fear when I'll trust his provision. Can I tell you, some of you here, you're struggling. You got a school bill that's due, and you're like, I don't know how it's going to happen. Hey, can I tell you, that is just the beginning of struggling you're going to have in your life. Some people think, well, if I could ever get this school bill paid for, Brother Lucan, man, I, I'd be good. I won't ever have a problem again. Oh, no, no, no. 
It's just the beginning. But you know what's awesome about that? Once you see God do it one time, you'll see him do it the second time. Once you see him do it the second time, you'll see him do it the third time. When you see him do it the third time, get it. You'll get the pattern. Some of you are slow, but you'll still get it, okay? He'll do it the fourth time. You know what's neat about Mary here? Even though she couldn't totally understand, doesn't make any sense, she was willing to trust him. How big's your faith? Some of you might be thinking about going to the mission field. Some of you might be thinking about being a Christian school teacher. Some of you might be thinking about doing this or doing that. Hey, how big's your faith? I truly believe this. The reason why we don't accomplish much is because we don't ask for much. I really do believe that. If you're not going to ask for much, why are you going to get it? It's not faith. Now, I'm not saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to believe I'm going to drive a Corvette tomorrow. Good luck, okay? Hey, but there's plenty of things that God lays on our hearts. Watch this. That if we would just trust his provision, we could see God do some great things. Give me, let me give you number four. Look with me at verse number 35. And the angel <clears throat> answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now look at verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be What's the word, class? Let me give you number four. She believed in God's promises. Now, we've all heard this phrase, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. That, that is a phrase that if you're around here, you'll hear said, you'll hear preached. But in context, can we tell you what we're talking about? The angel brings that to Mary's attention in the context of a virgin having a child. Now, that's not possible biologically. It's impossible. Cannot happen. It takes two. But the truth is, as impossible as that sounds, here's my question. Did it happen? Now, some of you have a situation in your life, can I tell you? Seems impossible. I get it. Now, I don't know if it's as big as impossible as what a virgin conceiving is. But to you, it seems that way. It seems that that relationship with your mom, that relationship with your dad, that relationship with your roommate, maybe that relationship with somebody else, maybe that financial burden you're carrying, it seems as if, get it, is impossible. 
Maybe you're here and you're a senior and you're about to graduate in three months and you're looking down the road and you're like, I got no clue. This seems as if it's impossible as all get out. Can you stop for a second? Let me tell you the promise that she believed. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. See, sometimes we focus so much on the mountain, we forget the one who created it. And what happens is we start focusing on the mountain and we can't see the one that created it, but we can see the mountain. Here's the problem. We start fearing it. I'm not going to be able to do that. That's not going to be able to happen. It's all over. And what happens is we end up living our whole entire life, get this, in the bondage of fear. And God told us we are not supposed to live in fear. Is it a temptation? Yes. But can I say it this way? If we're ever going to make a difference, we're going to have to allow God to take those fears and work through us so that we can make a difference in others. This afternoon I was flying from Chicago to Charlotte. Got on the plane, just like normal. <clears throat> they give all the instructions that no one pays attention to. I, I sit in row eight. So if you ever, Mr. Brother Jake ever dies on an airplane, I'm always in row eight, okay? And I was sitting there and the stewardess is right there. And Captain got on the PA and he said, hey, I just came from Charlotte to Chicago and now I'm going to go back to Charlotte. And they're in the pathway from coming from Charlotte to Chicago. We hit some turbulence. How many of you ever know what I'm talking about in the airplane? So sure enough, just like he said was going to happen, happened, right? And so there I am and I was sitting in the plane, had my seat, bu seat buckle on and... and uh, all of a sudden, we hit that turbulence. You know how it goes. And all of a sudden, everyone goes from watching their iPhones or watching their iPads to all of a sudden looking around like they didn't know it was coming, right? And then how many of you have ever been on a plane where it like drops? You hit like this little, and like your, your stomach kind of like goes somewhere. You don't know where, <laughs> but it feels like it just left your body, but it's still there, really. And, uh, and all of a sudden, people start getting nervous, Right? So people start getting nervous and they're, they're looking around and they're waiting for something because, hey, this doesn't feel good. Why? Because it's shaking back and forth and, and uh, you're dropping and you're hitting these bumps. It's like you're riding a roller coaster, but there's no track under this one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is not good. You know what's amazing? As soon as the captain got on the mic and said, hey, folks, Stay seated, stay calm, we're going up to get out of turbulence. You know what everything did? <sighs> you know what your captain says? Stay seated, stay calm, we're going up. You know what? 
if you'll trust him. If you'll do what Mary did, she understood God's presence. She, under, she accepted God's plan. She believed and she trusted in God's provision and she believed God's promises. Can I tell you, you can be just like Mary. Oh, it's not that she didn't struggle. She's a real person. But she didn't live in fear. And I'm convinced, young people, in your generation, if you're not able to have victory over this thing called fear, you're not going to make a difference the way God wanted you to make a difference.